All right, well, good morning, everybody. Thank you guys for um, being here at Redemption Church this first Sunday in, uh, in 2016. And so, um, as you guys know, Jeremy Carr is our uh, lead teaching pastor. Jeremy is on sabbatical, and uh, he's actually out until the middle of next month. Um, and so, my name is Reggie. And um, I'm one of the elders here at Redemption, and so this morning uh, I have the opportunity uh, to speak to you guys from God's Word uh, about some things that are going to be coming up over the next few weeks as we dive into a new series. Um, But as we get started this morning, if you would, uh, just take a moment and let's pray together as we get started. Holy Father, thank you for the opportunity we've had to be here this morning. Thank you for um, the opportunity we've had to... uh, hear from your word as it was read, to um, worship through singing uh, together in this place, to, to pray together. And God, now as we get ready to hear from your word, as we get ready to um, hear what you would say to us, God, I pray that you would be at work in our hearts and in our minds um, to allow us to hear from you. God, I pray that you would use me as an instrument of your grace and mercy, an instrument of the gospel, an instrument of your love, that your word might be spoken. God, I recognize that my words hold little importance at all. But God, I know that your words are of utmost importance. And so God, I pray that we would hear from you. I pray that you would draw us to yourself. And God, we ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So over the last few years here at Redemption, We've sort of had a tradition of beginning the new year with a sermon that's focused on priorities and plans and roles and goals and things like that. It's sort of a, just sort of a tradition that we've developed, um, you know, essentially from Proverbs, something very practical about life. And so this year, we're going to switch it up a little bit. Over the next few weeks, we're going to do something a little different. Um, and essentially, over the next few weeks, we're going to be going through a series focused on the ways in which the gospel speaks into our everyday lives, hence the title, Everyday Gospel. In the coming weeks, we're going to very practically and from a biblical standpoint dive into a variety of topics um, and sort of discover together what Scripture uh, has to say about those things and how the gospel should impact our lives in those areas. So things like finances and family and relationships and hospitality and food and alcohol and vocations and all sorts of things like that, we're just going to dive into. Um, and I'm really excited about the series um, because we're going to hear from a lot of different voices over the next few weeks um, ben and I, I think, will primarily be facilitating what happens from this stage, uh, but we're going to have the opportunity to hear from some missional community leaders and uh, other leaders in the life of the church as we sort of discuss these things and, and how the gospel speaks into our lives in those areas. And so part of the goal of this series that we're starting, this everyday gospel series, part of the goal here is to connect what we as a church are about, what we as a church believe our mission, vision, and purpose, which you can all see in your bulletin, but to connect those things to the stuff of our everyday lives. It's an opportunity for us to see that all of life is connected and influenced by the gospel if we know Christ. It's an opportunity to get practical for a few weeks 
and explore ways in which the gospel actually should and the gospel actually does influence our lives. It's an opportunity away to, to, to move away from the idea that our lives are segmented and compartmentalized and that there's areas of our life that really shouldn't be infect, uh, affected by the gospel. It's an opportunity to get very practical. It's an opportunity for missional communities to begin to or maybe to continue to speaking into one another's lives regarding how the gospel is at play and what the gospel means and how the gospel affects real world issues. The fact that Jesus did something on our behalf that we could never do for ourselves, it really matters in every area of our life. So I'm excited about this series because we get the opportunity to dive into those things and to get practical for a few weeks. And this morning, I'm going to kick off the series by focusing on the idea of discipleship and what discipleship is about and um, one or a couple of ways that scripture speaks into the idea of discipleship. And so, which leads me to ask myself this question, why would we kick off a series about how the gospel is at play in our lives by talking about discipleship? And as I think through that, the connection becomes more and more clear for me um, because discipleship is something that happens within the context of the ordinary, right? Discipleship is something that is an expectation in Scripture. It's not something you add on. It's not something you add to yourself. It's an expectation in Scripture. It's an expectation of believers that they will become more and more like Christ, And so uh, as we dive into the everyday gospel and in the ways in which the gospel impacts our everyday lives, it's really about discipleship. It's really about um, the Holy Spirit being at work in our lives and the truth of the gospel impacting every area of our lives. How many of you guys have seen the original Karate Kid movie with Pat Morita and Ralph Macchio? Not the Will Smith's kids version, Not, not that one. That one doesn't count. Nothing against Will Smith or anything, but that one doesn't count. Um, So in this movie, you guys are familiar with the main characters, right? Mr. Miyagi and Daniel, or Daniel-san. Sorry. So, but do you remember how Mr. Miyagi goes about teaching Daniel about karate? Does anybody remember? He teaches him to paint the fence, and he teaches him to wax the car, and maybe scrub the floor, and there's some just other real practical things then Mr. Miyagi teaches Daniel. He doesn't teach him how to do the crane kick. You remember the crane kick at the end, right? He doesn't teach him how to do the crane kick. He teaches him how to paint the fence and wash the car and scrub the floors and do all this other kind of stuff. And and essentially what Mr. Miyagi does is he takes these ordinary things and he connects them to something much larger. He, He connects them to something much bigger in the life of Daniel. He connects them to the practice of karate. He takes the ordinary and turns it into something extraordinary. And that's what this series is about. Everyday lives, ordinary things that we all encounter. We all eat, we all drink, we all have relationships, we all have family, we all are encountered with uh, what to do with our money and how to spend our money. We're all encountered with, with these things on a daily day basis. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, any of that. Those are common things that we all encounter. And so what we want to do is take the ordinary and connect it to the extraordinary. We want to take the ordinary of life and connect it to the gospel and show how the gospel speaks into those areas. 
Um, our lives are not lived in this church building, right? We gather here on Sunday mornings for a short time to worship together, to hear from God's word, to be encouraged by the gospel, hopefully, to see Jesus lifted high above anything else. And then we scatter to our homes, our neighborhoods, our friends, our jobs, our schools, our gyms, our social circle, circles, our missional communities, our families. We, we scatter. And that's where life actually happens. That's where we get into the nitty-gritty of life. When we come here, we're able to cover all those things up and, and, and not have to deal with that stuff. But life out there, outside the walls of this building, is where life actually begins. And, and we don't stop being the church when we scatter from this place. That's actually when we start being the church to the world. Um, why does a church exist, right? If we look in Scripture, why does a church exist? A church exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus was clear about that in the Great Commission. We exist for the purpose of the gospel advancing and disciples being made. And so when we scatter from this place as the church, it is with a purpose and it is with a mission to make disciples, to be disciples who make disciples. And so the question for us this morning as we begin to examine the everyday stuff of the gospel and how discipleship relates to this is this. Here's the question. Are we living our lives as continually sent disciple makers who live everyday life with gospel intentionality so we might both show and tell others what worship of Jesus looks like in the everyday stuff of life? Are we living our lives as continually sent disciple makers who live everyday life with gospel intentionality so we might both show and tell others what worship of Jesus looks like in the everyday stuff of life. Here's the deal. Discipleship is not a new program or a new event. Life is the program and every day is the event. When we see discipleship as something primarily done in a classroom or at some type of event... We end up leading ourselves and we end up leading others to see following Jesus as a study, as a program, as something you do over here, rather than as something that is all-encompassing for all of our lives. Let's look to the scriptures for just a moment. This isn't going to be our main text this morning. I'll get to that in a second. But Ephesians 4.15 says this, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way, and to him who is the head, and to Christ. God's word is telling us to grow up into Christ. First Corinthians 10, 31 says this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians three seventeen says this, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I believe these scriptures are getting at this point. We are called to see people grow up in every way into Christ, who is our head. In everything, in everything we do, in every area of our life, we are called to become more like Christ every single day. And God intends to bring about the knowledge of his glory and the hope of that taking place is Christ at work in us and through us in everything we do, including the ordinary stuff of life. We need to see eating and drinking, working and playing, 
and being with family members and being with our significant others as the means through which we can both glorify God and show others what it looks like to worship Him in all of life as God is at work in us and through us to make disciples and to disciple one another. The everyday stuff of life is where discipleship should happen. And the everyday stuff of life, the gospel should be at work. Leslie Newbegin was a British theologian, missiologist, missionary, and author. He wrote several books. I would encourage you to look him up and read them. Um, he, this guy has had an incredible impact on my life and my understanding of the business of church and what the church is about. But he was originally part of the Church of Scotland, and he was from Great Britain. And he went to India as a missionary and spent years and years and years in India as a missionary. And so when he came home after serving uh, as a missionary, um, he realized the culture that he had left had changed during his absence. And that led him to write extensively and to think about how the church in the modern Western culture should view itself as missionaries to the culture in which it exists. Western culture was not a Christian culture. We're, we're mistaken if we think that it is. And so Newbegin called the church to live as missionaries with the purpose of making disciples. He said this, It is less important to ask a Christian what he or she believes about the Bible than it is to inquire what he or she does with it. And he's not saying here that what we do or do not believe as it relates to theological doctrines and scripture doesn't matter. He would in fact say that it matters greatly. But what he's getting at is this. Do the words of scripture actually, actually affect and impact our daily lives, the everyday stuff of life, in any meaningful way? Does the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us, that we might be rightly related to God, actually matter when we eat when we go to work, when we hang out with our kids? Does it matter? And discipleship is essentially about that. It's about Christians growing together in ways that allow the gospel to impact the everyday parts of our lives. If we as the body of Christ aren't being transformed by the gospel and having our lives renewed in light of God's action in our life, then something is wrong. Something is really wrong. This idea of transformation is not foreign to our society and to our culture. Our society and our culture is actually enamored by the thought of transformation. If you watch Dancing with the Stars, right, it's about some ordinary person being transformed into a great dancer. If you watch um, Biggest Loser, it's about somebody's physical appearance changing uh, and, and their lives being transformed through the process of getting um, healthy. Any show on HGTV about flipping a house, that's about transformation. That's what that, that's about. And more recently, and this is a whole other level that I don't even want to go into, uh, our culture was enamored by the fact this last year that Bruce Jenner became Caitlyn Jenner, right? Transformation is a major theme of our society. It's all over the place. We, we understand it, even if it's not connected to the gospel. And so part of this series, the idea of everyday gospel, is our lives being transformed in such a way that the gospel really does impact and transform our everyday 
life. Transformation is key to discipleship. One pastor has warned that if we, the church, if we fail at the task of discipleship, we fail at everything. And discipleship is this, and this is how we're going to define discipleship as we move through this series about everyday life. We're going to define discipleship in this way, leading one another to increasingly submit all of our life, time, work, relationships, finances, sexuality, leisure, everything, to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus Christ. Discipleship is this, leading one another to increasingly submit all of our life to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus Christ. If the words of scripture and the truth of the gospel do not actually matter in our everyday lives, in the sense that we are becoming more and more like Christ as we submit to his lordship and as we're transformed into his image by the work of the Holy Spirit, if that's not happening, then we have a problem that needs to be addressed. And the way that we address that problem is not by doing better and trying harder. That's, that's opposite of what the gospel says. The way we address that lack in our life, the way we address that lack of transformation, even in the everyday areas of life, is by turning to Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. And this is what this passage says. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, and he being Jesus, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, And John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. When we encounter Jesus in chapter 4 of Matthew, it's after John the Baptist has come on the scene and begun preparing the way for Jesus' arrival and Jesus' ministry. It's after Jesus has been baptized. It's after Jesus has gone into the desert, into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. You guys remember the story from Scripture, yes. It's after that has happened. And it's interesting here because um, Jesus has decided to, to sort of hang out in the area of Israel close to the Sea of Galilee. He sort of made his home there. And what we have in Matthew chapter 4 is Jesus calling some of the very first disciples to come and follow him. And it's interesting because we don't really know what interaction that these guys have had with Jesus prior to Jesus showing up and Jesus calling them to follow him. We don't know if they had heard Jesus preach. We don't know if they had heard about the crazy guy Jesus who's hanging out around, you know, this part of Israel. We don't know what their interactions are, but Jesus essentially just walks up to them and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And and they do it. So so something about what Jesus said or something about Jesus himself calls these guys to leave their profession, which is what they did. They left their profession to follow Jesus. And, and, And it's right after Jesus walks up to them and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In these 10 words, 
we have some profound truths about Jesus, from Jesus, about the key characteristics of discipleship. And, and here's what they are. So stay with me for just a few more minutes, okay? Um, this is what we see, that discipleship originates and centers on Jesus, is about being transformed by Jesus, and it's about being given a purpose by Jesus. Ten short words. Jesus says, follow me. Discipleship originates and centers on Jesus. Follow me. It's about being transformed by Jesus. Jesus says, I will make you. And it's about being given a purpose by Jesus. Fishers of men. The theological foundation for discipleship and all of Christianity for that matter is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as it relates to discipleship, a serious understanding of what Jesus has done on our behalf, a serious understanding of the gospel, a serious understanding of who Jesus is, is absolutely essential for true transformation. Too often we forget that the same gospel that saves us is the gospel that sustains us and transforms us into Christ-likeness through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be reminded of that gospel daily, every day, in the mundane of life. It has been said that the gospel is like a many-faceted jewel. If you think about a diamond that you hold up and you can turn and examine from all Um, directions and all aspects the gospel is glorious like that Tim Keller has said that the gospel is a pool in which a toddler can wade and an elephant can swim and the point being the gospel is extraordinary and the moment we think we've heard it enough or examined it enough the moment we think that we've dived to the deepest recesses of its truths the moment that we think that we've begun to understand the magnitude of Jesus' work on our behalf, we've made a mistake. We must understand that as it relates to discipleship, the gospel is not just a beginning point. Jesus is not just the beginning point. Any movement away from the gospel of Jesus and the person of Jesus in our lives will move us toward things like legalism and condemnation and religion in a bad sense, and subjectivism, and pride, and the like. When Jesus says to the disciples, follow me, the literal translation is, you come to me. It's a very personal call from Jesus on the lives of these guys. It's like he looks at them and literally says, you come to me. Discipleship is personal in the sense that it's about Jesus. It's about following after Jesus. Jesus, as Jesus himself calls us to follow him. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, the prophet Jeremiah describes a huge mistake made by God's people. You can look this passage up later, but the mistake that he describes in a literary sense is drinking from man-made cisterns that held no water instead of drinking from the ever-flowing fountain of living Waters And to us, the gospel, Jesus, is like fresh, pure, ever-flowing, refreshing water that will always satisfy. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 4 when he meets the woman at the well. This gospel that transforms us, it, it transforms every area of our life. There's no part of our life that Jesus hasn't said, you come to me. There's no part of our life exempt from that call. 
There was no part of the disciples' life that was exempt from that call. And there's no part of our life that's exempt from that call. And so over the next few weeks, we'll be examining those things. And in our homes and missional communities, we'll have an opportunity to dive further into these truths and to uncover areas where Jesus is saying, you come to me. Discipleship originates and centers on Jesus. And Jesus is the one who brings about that transformation in our lives. As it relates to transformation, we certainly all have a role to play. Spiritual disciplines, our prayer life, reading God's word, studying God's word, um, in other areas that God may call us to, journaling and fasting and, and other things like that, they certainly play a role in our transformation. Missional communities, DNA groups, our friendships, classes that may occur, being here on a Sunday morning are all important as we pursue spiritual growth and transformation. But ultimately, our hope is that Jesus is at work through the person of the Holy Spirit in those things to bring about transformation in our lives in every area. Remember, Jesus says, I will make you. That's what he says to the disciples. Follow me, you come to me, and I will make you. He's going to do the work of the transformation of our lives. It it seems to me that Jesus is saying to these guys, these hairy, rough, hardworking, crazy fishermen, he says to them, follow me and I'm going to turn you into something else entirely. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul puts it this way, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So in the process of discipleship, the power of transformation ultimately comes from God, comes from the work of the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. Only the Holy Spirit can change hearts and transform lives. Therefore, he is our primary discipler and our primary equipper. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's job is to make us like Jesus and to... um, and to help us be transformed into Christ's likeness. The Holy Spirit calls us and equips us and sends us out to bear fruit. And we could do nothing apart from him. And you and I, we should be pursuing this transformation together as followers of Christ. I am to be invested in your transformation just as much as you are to be invested in my transformation. The Holy Spirit is at work in our lives And the way that the church is set up is that God uses other people to help us become more like him. Um, God uses others to point out areas in our life that maybe we don't realize need to be impacted by the gospel or maybe to help transform us in certain areas by by showing us um, ways in which the gospel can impact every area of our lives. So, so the call, even as much as it's Jesus who brings about the transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit because of Jesus' work on our behalf, it's something that we do together. We pursue this transformation together. We're invested in one another's lives to see one another become more and more like Christ. And that's part of the call on our life as it relates to discipleship. It's not something that we go off and do on our own like a monk in a cave somewhere. It's something we do together. So discipleship originates with Jesus. It's carried along by Jesus. And it has as its end a purpose given by Jesus. Jesus says, 
I will make you fishers of men. And so these first disciples that were called to follow Jesus were obviously they were fishers of fish. You've seen Deadliest Catch, right? So you, you get the idea. Um, some rough guys. But Jesus redefines their identity. He, he, he gives them a new identity and tells them to follow him and become something else entirely. And so that their identity is no longer being fishermen, but their identity rests in Jesus and it's given a purpose by Jesus. He centers their lives on the living and breathing gospel that was himself. And he then works to transform them from the inside out to be like himself. And the end result is that he sends them out on mission with a purpose to be fishers of men to make disciples. So, so discipleship in and of itself involves reproduction. A key characteristic of discipleship is this, that it is reproducible by Christ's work and authority, of course. But discipleship, if it's happening in our lives, in our families, in our homes, wherever it is, it's happening because it originated with... Thanks, Luke. So if discipleship is happening in our lives, here at Redemption, in our families, in our homes, wherever it is, it's because it originates with Jesus. It's because Jesus is doing the work to transform us, but he's doing that with a purpose. And so inasmuch as the everyday aspects of our life are impacted by the gospel, and inasmuch as the gospel affects every area of our life on a daily basis, it's still with the purpose, ultimately, of being disciples who make disciples. All of us are called to make disciples. All of us are called to be disciples who make disciples. And so as we grow together, as we're centered around Jesus as we're transformed ultimately by the work of Jesus in our lives. It's worth a purpose that goes beyond merely growing and becoming like Christ. It's the purpose of growing and becoming like Christ to be fishers of men, right? To be disciples who make disciples. And so, big picture, the gospel impacts every area of our life. There's no part of our life that Jesus hasn't pointed at and said, come to me in every area of our life. Come to me. And so over the next few weeks, as we dive into the ordinary aspects of life, money and vocation and finances, I said that money, and family and relationships and whatever it may be, as we dive into those things, it's with the understanding that the gospel has something to say about those things. The gospel, through the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, should be transforming us in those areas of our life. And inasmuch as those areas of our lives are transformed, it's with the intent and purpose of making disciples, even in the ordinary aspects of our lives. We're, we're called to do this in the everyday ordinary facets of our life as we share life together, do life together, and build one another up to be complete in Christ. 
And so over the next few weeks, as we dive into the way that the gospel impacts our lives, we're going to dive into some really nitty gritty stuff. And it may make you uncomfortable. It may make you question your assumptions. It may hurt your feelings. It may lead to repentance. But ultimately, I hope it pushes you back to Jesus, pushes you to the gospel so the Holy Spirit will continue to be at work in our lives to make him more like us. I don't know what will happen in your life as we dive into this, but I do know that there's no area of your life that is not impacted by the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. And so together on Sunday mornings in missional communities, in DNA groups, in our families, we're going to dive into this stuff together. Our growth, our discipleship originates with Jesus, is brought about by Jesus, and it's given a purpose by Jesus. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. I'm going to ask you to jointly agree with me to look to Jesus as we dive into the everyday of stuff of life in the coming weeks. That's, that's what I'm asking you to do this morning, to just agree to dive in to the mundane, dive into the ordinary stuff of life in as much as we dive into these things together over the next few weeks and allow the gospel to continue to be at work in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds as Jesus changes us and makes us into the people that he would have us be, that we might be disciples and make disciples. You guys on board? Okay. Um, We're going to move into a time of response as we close our service this morning. Um, What we do every Sunday at Redemption as we close is, uh, for one thing, the band's going to come back up here in just a second, and they're going to continue to lead us in some songs and give us the opportunity to worship by singing. Also, during this time, you have the opportunity to continue to sit where you are, stand where you are, and reflect uh, on what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you if God is at work in your hearts and minds even now. So please take that opportunity if you need to. If you need to pray, reflect, grab somebody and talk about it, grab somebody and pray, whatever it may be. During this time, we also have the opportunity to worship by giving. There's a giving basket in the back um, where you can where you can continue to worship um, by giving to God's work here on earth through Redemption Church. And during this time as well, um, we have an opportunity to take communion. We do communion every Sunday here at Redemption um, because it's a visible way for us to remember what Christ has done on our behalf and to proclaim to one another that we actually um, believe what Christ has done. And so whether you're a member of Redemption or not, if Um, God gives you the freedom to do so, then we would invite you to come and take communion. But please recognize that by doing so, what you're doing is saying, I believe that God did something on my behalf and I'm proclaiming that I actually believe it. And, uh, and, And this is what God's word says about communion. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So I would invite you um, 
to take communion if God gives you the freedom to do so. Uh, here's how we're going to try to do it, is if everybody could come down the middle aisle here and then move out in either direction to take communion. Um, and we'll do that in just a second. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, the band's going to move up here, and then we'll continue on um, with our service from there. God, thank you for the reminder from your word this morning um, that your call on our life is a call of transformation, a call to not stay the same, a, a call to have our identity rooted in you, to be given a purpose by you and you alone. And so God, even now as we continue to worship, as we continue to hear from us, God, I pray that you would continue uh, to lift Jesus high in this place. God, that we might be drawn to you. There is no hope for us. There's no hope for change. There's no hope to be different. There's no hope in any way apart from Jesus. And so, God, remind us of that. Draw us to Jesus. Draw us to yourself. And God, we ask all this in the name of your Son. Amen. Mm-hmm.